George Pickett. He was now in the grips of a dangerous fantasy. He felt a bit giddy, but in no way did he imagine that he would be trapped in the middle of one of American history's most dramatic turning points. Nothing distracted him from his desire for fame, not even comments about his perfumed hair, whose scent lingered long enough to raise a few eyebrows. He was the son of a wealthy Virginia plantation owner, studied law, and was accepted to West Point. Pickett did not distinguish himself at the military school. He graduated last in his class. Twice widowed, he began courting young LaSalle Corbell, sometimes leaving his division without permission to see her. They married after the battle and later had two children. Pickett hung 22 Union soldiers who were once Confederates, subsequently fleeing with his family to Canada to avoid being tried for war crimes. Three years after the war, he was granted a full pardon under President Andrew Johnson's general amnesty. The Pickets moved back to Virginia, and George was able to make a respectable living in the insurance business until he died at the age of 50. Before Gettysburg, Pickett had never led a full division into battle. Anxious to win accolades for himself, Pickett's charge was planned to scare and confuse the enemy enough so that support units could follow up and quickly move in and do their destruction. It began as what many Union veterans said later was a grand parade that turned into an all-too-easy shooting gallery, resulting in Pickett's forces being massacred under heavy fire. As his surviving men limped back from the disaster, he sent one of his aides to his commander, General Longstreet, pleading for immediate support. The aide was instructed to tell Pickett that the support he expected was not coming, that the battle was lost. In modern colloquial terms, Pickett was being thrown under the bus. When the charge was over, Lee approached Pickett to ask the whereabouts of his division. Pickett's response sounded the agony of a broken man. General Lee, I have no division. Profoundly distraught by the results of the battle, this romantic-turned-realist wrote to his future wife three days later. I can't write you a love letter today, my Sally, for with my great love for you and my gratitude to God for sparing my life to devote to you comes the overpowering thought of those whose lives were sacrificed, of the broken heart of widows and mothers and orphans, the moans of my wounded boys, the sight of the dead, upturned faces, flood my soul with grief, and here I am, I whom they trusted, whom they followed, leaving them on the field of carnage. George Pickett was the only rebel general at Gettysburg who never received praise or mention from Lee, either in his official reports or in post-war reminiscences. Pickett never forgave Lee for what happened at Gettysburg. Some years later, and immediately after an uneasy visit with Lee, Pickett complained to an old friend. That old man had my division slaughtered at Gettysburg. After a brief silence, the friend replied, Well, it made you immortal. Surrender control or take control. No matter how successful you want to be, if you are not in control of your own destiny, your hopes and dreams can be frustrated at any time by someone else's whim.
You can be fired from your job after many accomplishments. Your college application can be rejected after proving your excellence. Or, in the case of Pickett, your confidence is shaken after learning the support you expected wasn't there. It is the price you pay for allowing someone else to control your life, with the exception of being a soldier where giving up control is required in order to be a part of an effective fighting team. Ask for help, but plan for none. When Pickett saw that his troops needed support at a most crucial point in the battle, he was not so stubborn or delusional to believe he could go it alone. Before you begin any organized and long-term activity, seek agreement with your plan from your superior and view any support as a bonus.